Join me today, if you would, please, in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter number four, please. In the Bible, the book of Mark, chapter number four. And uh, I'd like to just kind of preface the message with a little uh, with a little background, if it could please. And uh, today you've got a lot of room, so you can just spread out in the auditorium. We'll have everybody back next week. But you know, I was thinking there, you know, by the time we get our nurseries and our Spanish church and our children's churches and our uh, adult churches and all that together, God's really blessed us here in this place. God has really blessed us in this place. One way he's blessed us is I do not have to go to the skating rink with 400 kids. Jim says he don't either. He sends Brother Brian. You can tell about seniority around here on who is using the weed eater. <laughs> we ride no more, right, Jim? And so uh, Brother Brian and Andrew and all the crew is down there with that crowd. But I'd like to give you something today. I'd like you to take something home out of the Word of God. Is that all right? I'm not going to try to impress you this morning with all of my knowledge. I'd just like for you to get something out of the Bible. Now, look in your Bible, if you would please, to Mark chapter number 4. And just as a way of introduction, let's look at verse 2 to begin with. Let me read that for you. And of course, you know, we're studying the life of Christ. You get into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's about the life of Christ and the ministry of Christ. And, and Mark is the shortest of the books. He gets right to the point. Mark probably, more than likely, is writing down as the Apostle Peter is preaching and teaching. Some folk call it the gospel according to Peter because Mark is writing down what Peter is saying and preaching. Now we get to chapter number four and verse two. Jesus begins to teach chapters one through three. He was doing healing, casting out devils, going to the synagogue. And then chapter number four, he begins to teach. And now look, if you would, please. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. And we talked last week about the sower and the seed and the soil. That is verses one through 20. And we went into great detail to tell you that the seed is the word of God. The sower is the Lord Jesus Christ or anybody who takes the seed of the word and sows it wherever they might sow it. You do not need to be an adult to drop a seed in the ground. You do not need a degree to drop a seed in the ground. Anybody can sow the seed. Amen. So we talked about the seed, the sower, and the soil we determined last week. Out of that particular passage that the soil is the hearts of the hearers. Now, some folk will hear the word of God and uh, immediately when they hear the word of God, the devil sitting right beside him or one of his imps and all of a sudden he just suddenly snatches the word away and he ne- does not think about it again for some time. That is the, that is the hearer that uh, is described in your Bible. Uh, I think if you would please, uh, it, it says that the fowls of the air it fell by the wayside. 
And he goes into explaining those different seeds. Now, if you would, please, I want you to consider with me just a minute. We'll begin reading in verse number 21, speaking in parables. A parable is a natural truth with a spiritual application. It is an earthly story that illustrates a heavenly ending. For instance, Jesus was teaching one day and he looked at a flock of sheep and he was teaching the disciples and he looked at those sheep and said, won't you guys look over there? Ye are my sheep. And he looked at that group of sheep and he said, now my sheep know me and I know their voice. Now in the Bible days, a lot of shepherds had small flocks, larger flocks, and at night they brought all the flocks and put into one big sheepfold and guarded the sheep. The only way they could separate the sheep is the sheep knew their shepherd's voice. And he would come to the gate or the door of the sheepfold and he would say, I don't know what he would say. I know when I'm calling my dogs, I say, they know my whistle. They don't follow me. Therefore, I got a shocking collar. Therefore, when I go, they come. You know what? God needs a shocking collar on some of his sheep. (laughs) But the shepherd of each flock would stand forward in the morning and just say whatever the shepherd would say. All of his sheep would recognize his voice and they would make their way out of the flock and he'd take his flock to wherever he was going that day. Jesus used earthly stories for a heavenly or spiritual application. That's what a parable is. And the Bible says in chapter uh, 4 and verse 24, I think if you'll look at it, if you would please, the Bible said, or verse 34, and the Bible said, but without a parable spake he not unto them, and when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So today, Jesus is speaking in parables. Notice, if you would please, Verse 21, the Bible says, and he saith unto them, is a candle bought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? (coughs) (coughs) Did you know that that cough was heard around the world? By way of internet, hairnet or any kind of other net we can afford to buy, that cough might be famous one day. We might get a note from North Korea, say that was a wonderful cough. (laughs) That cough saved your life, yeah, you. Verse 22. For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was there anything kept secret 
but that it should be come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now he's speaking in parables. And he said unto them, take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given. And he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. And he said, go, so is the kingdom of God. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now we're looking at an earthly story now. Perhaps as the people settled across the horizon there and Jesus in the ship and he taught, perhaps somebody in the horizon there was maybe sowing. Maybe somebody was plowing. He's using an earthly story for a heavenly uh, illustration. And he said, so is the kingdom of God as if I should cast seed into the ground. And should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. How does a seed grow? We still don't know. With all of our scientific horticulture, agriculture, science, we still don't know how a seed grows. Somehow or another, embedded and planted deep in the heart of that seed, the DNA always produces a like seed. Every little blade of grass is a miracle. We still cannot explain the miracle of life wrapped in a little nugget. You say it evolved. Yeah, and I got some oceanfront property in Colorado I'd like to sell you right after the service. No, sir. It's a miracle. The miracle is in the seed. Now look. For the earth bringeth or bringeth forth fruit of herself. First the blade, then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. What a miracle. So one little grain of corn. And I preach a lot of stewardship meetings. And the Bible says you reap what you sow. Is that not so? So one little grain of corn. And I am so foolish that I counted the grains on an ear. And 640 little corns on a big corn. Because somebody planted the little corn. And then... That corn I was stealing, I mean, I borrowing from that farmer, had three ears on one stalk. One little corn. Anything miraculous about that? One little corn. Three ears with 640. Wow. That's pretty good interest, don't you think? A miracle. Verse 30. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Can I please share with you the kingdom of God? In the Bible, it talks about the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. 
Does it not? The kingdom of God, the Bible says, is within you. In here. The kingdom of God, God wants to run your life. God wants to bless your life. And God wants to mature your life. And God wants to grow your life. And God wants to make your life that which is pleasant to you and profitable to society. That's what God wants. You don't get that by voting next Tuesday. You get that by letting the seed of the word of God fall on good soil. And then God miraculously begins to grow that seed in your heart. And somebody looks and says, boy, aren't they different now? And you say, well, I don't notice much difference. And you sleep and you get up and you sleep and you get up. And pretty soon there's a visible difference. There is an attitude difference. A different daddy, a different mama, a different person. Wow. And somebody says, boy, it took a miracle to change that guy. Oh, yeah, it takes a miracle to grow everything that God puts in the earth. And just like the seed that you throw in the earth and it lays there and begins to germinate and somehow God put in there that miraculous thing called life. Something that the scientist has not yet discovered. God placed life into that seed. And one day you're out there looking and sure enough, sprouting right up through the ground. Just a little old bitty blade. Don't look like the seed, but it's just a little bitty blade. And a few days later you go about your business doing your thing and come back and the stalk is that high and it's beginning to develop. And pretty soon it gets higher and higher and higher. You didn't have a thing to do with that. All you did just put it in the ground, water it, God did the rest. That's just like the kingdom of God. (laughs) Somebody sows a seed. Well, what's the seed? It's the word of God. Somebody takes that which God has embedded deeply, eternally. He's embedded life in this book. He that has the son hath life and hath it more abundant. And God places within this book, the word of God, something that fell out. (laughs) Hope that's not my notes, but it is I'm in trouble. And God puts in this seed, the word. Remember, the seed is the word. The sword sowed the word. And God put in this, the miraculous thing that nobody can come up with but him. And that's life. Eternal life. And the Bible says when the kingdom of God is like a man sowing seed. And when I preach this book and I talk about this book, it's sowing the seed. And every once in a while, there's a heart here that is open to the seed, needs a seed, realizes that heaven is real, hell is real, and that Jesus is real and God is real. And suddenly that heart is open and the seed of God's word falls on good soil. Now we get up and go home like nothing ever happened. Now we get up and get up and up and down, sleep and and pretty soon this thing called the word begins to sprout. Can you say amen? Begins to sprout. New ideas. 
comes to mind. New goals. Uh, new, uh, new, new desires. Uh, all of a sudden, tithe? Why would I want to tithe? Are you weird? Oh, yes, but I'm screwed on the right boat. Somebody said, well, he's a nut. Yes, but we're screwed on the right boat. And all of a sudden, this seed begins to sprout. Well, what did I have nut? You didn't have anything to do with it. All you did is just open your heart. And I planted the seed. And you went home and I went home. You went to your job. And of course, I have no work. All I get to do is preach three times a week and then I'm off the rest of the time. And whatever we did, we just went about doing it. And all of a sudden, that which God implanted in this begins to sprout. Begins to grow and folk recognize the difference and you recognize the difference. And like my kids, they got a brand new daddy that day. Yes, sir, buddy. I bowed my knee on a Thursday night and accepted Jesus Christ. I bowed my knee. A sinner on my way to hell stood up a saint on the way to heaven. I couldn't explain it. I had no idea what had taken place. But then the seed began to sprout. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Some of the places I used to go, I don't go anymore. Seed started to sprout. Amen. And I asked my Lord, do something. And the seed began to sprout. So is the kingdom of God. Now you might need to know something about that. I'm about done. In the Bible, the Old Testament deals mainly with a nation. It starts with a man named Abraham. And goes all the way through Joseph. And the Old Testament is speaking mainly about Israel. God's chosen people. You say, I don't like that. Don't bother me with that. I didn't do it. Take it up with him. And God did choose Israel. Not because of her might. Not because of her numbers. But God just chose Israel and put Israel in Jerusalem in the center of all the trade routes of all the old days so that anybody trading, going anywhere, would have to come by way of Jerusalem. Even allowed Rome to to conquer her so that they could build roads from Rome all over so that they could come through Jerusalem To notice that God's people is different. But when he got to Jerusalem, God's people was no longer different because they began to act like the world. By the way, what an illustration. The church ought to be different. In attitude. In dress. In behavior. So that the trade routes, those who are in this world in darkness can see there is a difference. 
So Israel failed. And then God said there will be a time called the time of Gentiles. When God allowed Nebuchadnezzar, 636 B.C., to destroy Jerusalem. And there will be a time of Gentiles when Gentile governments are in rule. Gentile governments are superpowers. Gentile governments are now running the thing. And that will happen from Nebuchadnezzar until Revelation 19 when Jesus comes back on a white horse. And they look on him whom they pierced, and the nation shall be saved in the day. But the kingdom of God covers a time from Calvary to the rapture of the church when Jesus comes back for the church. So the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God is covering a time right now. God is no longer dealing with Israel, he's dealing with the church. And when he talks about the kingdom of God, he said the church is likened to this. And today I'm sowing seed in the fullness of the time of the Gentiles. And if it falls on a heart that the soil is good, then that soul and that soul will produce fruit for God. You say, well, seems awful small in a great big world. Glad you asked. Because in the book of Mark, the next parable, and he said, Whereunto shall I liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? The church, Christianity, Christendom. What shall I liken unto? He said, let's do this. Let's liken it unto a grain of mustard seed. Which when is sown in the earth, it is less than all seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. And with many such parables, he spake the word unto them as they were able to hear it. Years ago, I went to hear one of the greatest preachers and I was privileged to preach on the same program as a preacher by the name of Dr. Jack Hiles. Dr. Jack Hiles pastored the largest church in America, First Baptist Hammond, Indiana. He's a Tremendous preacher. My wife and I picked him up. We stayed in the same motel, so we rode back and forth. And it was wonderful to, to, to travel with such a great man. Dr. Howes, when he preached, he told a lot of stories. Amen. Stories that people could relate to. Just like Jesus telling stories about this and applying to that. Someone went and heard Dr. Howes preach, and they asked him, said, well, how did, how did Dr. Howes do? And he said, well, he, uh, he preached another one of those skyscraper messages. The guy said, what do you mean? He said, all he did was just act story on story on story on story on story. That's what Jesus is doing today. He's just acting story on story on story. 
And what Jesus is doing today for us is giving us one of his skyscraper stories. And the first story he talks about, he talks about a candle, a bushel, a bed. Why would anybody buy a candle to put it under the bed? What he is saying is, why would anybody get saved and be ashamed of it? Now, why, why, would, why, why would anybody come out of darkness and keep silent about it? Notice, if you would please, he used a candle, not a flashlight. Have you ever thought about this? We could turn all the lights off in this church. And boy, it'll get dark in here. I'm telling you, it'll get real dark. But the smallest candle that you could buy, if you lit it, no matter how dark it might be, it still will penetrate the darkness. The smallest candle, the smallest candle, the smallest candle, the smallest candle, any candle, By the way, you're not the light. You're just the candle. People ought not to see me. They ought to see Jesus in me. I'm just, by the way, do you know that when a candle is lit to give light, it must sacrifice itself. Light is only extended as the candle is dissolved. Maybe that's why Paul said, I die daily. You know what I think? I think this world is seeing too much of us and not near enough of Christ. I think maybe this world sees our temper and sees our zeal and our our selfishness. And I, I think maybe our church needs to light up a little bit. Now, I don't mean going outside and token up. I'm not a <laughs> wrong light. <laughs> But Jesus said, he's the light of the world. Is that not so? And Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. So you ought to let your light shine so that everybody can see your good works and glorify the Father. So what will we liken our church unto? We'll liken unto a candle that is lit. If you've got your candle under the bushel and you're ashamed of Jesus Christ, you need to just get out from underneath the bushel and let your little light shine. That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about. Notice, if you would please, he laid another story on top of that. He laid the story about this thing of putting a seed in the earth and then walking away from the seed. Now, Andrew today is preaching to 464 people. Some of those bus kids has never heard the gospel. Some of those parents who allowed us to pick their child up and some of those folks who now are down there today and folks here today. You know, I was 26 years old, raised in this country, gone to church all my life before I heard the clear presentation of the gospel. 
I believe if somebody had run a bus down Townsend Street in Wilmington, California, in the slums of California, when I was but a 16-year-old kid, I honestly believe if somebody had a center bus in front of my house and a, and a carried bus captain and knocked on my door, you couldn't go to California and find a jail record now. I wouldn't have the gang fights and the hell raising. And I wouldn't have all that. I'd still have all my teeth probably. If somebody sent a bus by my house. Now my daddy didn't go to church. And my mama didn't go to church in California. But I believe I'd have went. If somebody sent a bus by my house. And all we're doing today. Is just dropping seed. Uh, we're dropping seed down at the Spanish church. And uh, folks who speak Spanish. And don't speak English. Uh, Brother Franco today is dropping seed. For the Spanish folk to hear. I'm dropping seed for you. Andrew's dropping seed for them. And all over the world today, all over the world, anybody will tune in live stream to our service. We've got good seed for you. It's the word of God. And only God and you can experience that. Notice the life is in the seed, not to soar. He sowed the seed. He went to sleep. And God went to work. Aren't you glad of that? And I want you to know, I've been saved now for about almost 50 years, 46, 47 years. And I can still say, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And every once in a while, when I'm going down the highway and somebody starts yelling at me how old they are with one finger... I know I'd like to shoot them. Bow. I said, he's still working on me. Anybody here like that? If you've reached perfection, uh, we'll have a touching line right at the service. Now, I want to be in the line first. I want you to touch me first. Huh? The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is like unto a seed. Notice, if you would please, he picks the mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, the insignificant. It wasn't but 26 years ago in a storefront building with a borrowed sign, we put out front Joshua Baptist Church. Gene Wolfenbarger, pastor. We put it out in front of a storefront. We wasn't trying to sell two and a half million dollars worth of church bonds. We wasn't trying to build two million dollar building to put onto this building. Uh, we wasn't reaching thousands of folks. It was just me knocking on a door and, and maybe get 10 or 12 or just somebody to preach to. It started like a mustard seed. Hmm? numerically, like a mustard seed. He had 12. 
120 met in the upper room. Peter preached and 3,000 got saved. Next chapter, 5,000 got saved. Mustard seed growing. Limbs are extending. If you go across this land today, I'm closing. Look at our constitution. Look at the laws of our land. Most of them were taken out of the word of God. We dwelled under the shelter of that mustard seed. Most of the hospitals in the world, in the country, was started as a result of the seed and the church. Great educational institutions such as Yale, Harvard, Baylor, TCU started. I'm not saying they're still there. I'm just saying they were started. And today you and I in America are dwelling underneath the branches of that little seed that was sown in Palestine, there on the cross, there Jesus Christ died, gathered 12 men, organized them into what you see now across the world. The kingdom of God. Let me get more personal. It was uh, in Farmer's Branch, Texas. More than likely, that week I'd already fed 12 roosters, conditioning them, feeding them high-protein feed. Their combs and their heads are blood red. Pull them out of the pen, their eyes begin to dilate. They're so, they're so ready. We've sparred them. We've worked them. More energy at the point of contact probably than any boxers ever boxed in their life. Getting them ready for a drunken, dope-filled, money-betting, hell-raising, fighting time in Oklahoma. The sorriest of all humanity hangs out there. And I am a regular customer. But I come home and the preacher is on my couch. (laughs) And he asked me, Gene, if you died right now, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Man, I didn't have no problem answering that question. I mean, when you're so mean, your wife handcuffs you at night to keep you from choking yourself to death in your sleep. You don't have to worry about you being good enough to go to heaven. And I said, no, preacher, I'll tell you, I probably would just split hell wide open. 
like it wasn't nothing to it. Boy, you split hell wide open, there will be something to it. Now, you whether you like that or not, because when you're dead, you're out of control, slick. Somebody else is pulling the strings. And that night on my couch, I did not know one verse in all the Bible. Not one. I did not know one hymn that I could sing. But he showed me how that Christ died for me. Just for me. If I'd have been the only sinner in the world, he said, Christ would have died just for you. That made it personal. Then he read this verse. I never shall forget it. But God commended his love toward you. While you were yet sinning, Christ died for you. I wasn't used to that. Suddenly, I don't know why. Suddenly I felt something warm. Began to run down off my cheek. And men, where I came from, just did not cry. Not the place I hung out. But for some unknown reason, the Holy Spirit of God took that seed and began to perform heart surgery on me. And he opened my heart, the tenderest place of my heart, and laid that seed in there. Because I asked him to come into my heart and save my soul. He did. At that time, I couldn't explain it. I just let her grow. Huh? And I went to church, and then I'd go to church, and then, and then the mustard seed began to sprout and began to sprout and began to sprout. And then God called me to preach, and it began to sprout, and off to school, and Degree after degree after degree. Got more degrees than a thermometer. But you know what's important? It's all those folks. That's under the limbs. Of a little insignificant Tennessee country boy. That barely made it out of school. And thank God he did get out of jail. That's what God does. I said, that's what God does. And by the way, could I ask you a question for the 15th time that I close today? Did you know that your heart is the soil? The Bible says it was. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, not with the head, with the heart. And the seed is the word of God been born again, not of incorruptible seed, but corruptible, which is the word of God that abideth and liveth forever. Preach, I don't know how to do it. To as many as receive him, 
To them gave he the power to become the sons of God. It's not up to me to get you saved. It's up to me to sow the seed. It's up to you to prepare the heart. You can go to heaven when you die if you want to. You can have every one of your sins that you've ever committed forgiven right today and thrown behind the back of God. Never look at them again. You can have a clear conscience toward God and you can have life and have it more abundant. It's up to you. Not to me or to Jim. It's up to you. You say it won't work. If you put a little bit of seed in the ground, hard, dry, and lifeless, and can put it in the ground, cover it up, walk away, and about seven or eight days later, you look, and it's beginning to grow. The same God that does that is the same God will take the word of God huh? and spring life, produce light and growth in your life. It's up to you. God will do it.